to be able to share with you on this uh, second week of Advent. We decided as a creative worship team to uh, find a refreshing way to look at this season. And so for five weeks, we will have a special focus each Sunday. And again, as I mentioned at the call of worship, our focus this Sunday is on our need to be emptied in order for us to receive the fullness of God. That's our theme for this Advent season, making room for the fullness of God. Advent, meaning coming, speaks of an anticipation, uh, a waiting, a great expectation. And traditionally, we look at this season as our anticipation of the coming of the Savior, Christ, and his first advent. We'll do something a little different this year. Looking at the fullness of God gives us an opportunity to look at the comings of God, not just Christ's first coming, but also the coming, the advent of the Spirit, and an anticipation of Christ's second coming. So we'll have an Advent celebration through the end of this year, actually, five Sundays. This morning, I'd like to continue our study that we began last week. Pastor Andrew began our time looking at this idea of in stillness, in stillness, and how our posture in anticipation for the coming of God is to be still and know that I am God. The idea of our worship and adoration for the living God is the right response to start this preparation. Isaiah said, as he beheld the glory of God, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. But then he soon said, but woe is me, for I'm a man of unclean lips. It's a gaze into your presence, because you know it's God's presence that we need. But in light of God's presence, I'm reminded of how wretched I am. In light of this beautiful God, I'm so small. So small. Well, with this Advent season upon us, um, Many of us, maybe you included, may find yourself a, a bit frantic with all the preparation, you know, like Martha, with all the preparation that had to, to happen for Christ to arrive on that day. She found herself pretty busy and ragged and worried and even had the nerve to tell Jesus, Jesus, look at my sister Mary. She's sitting down just all and I'm running around for you, preparing for you. What's up? And Jesus, you remember his calm words to Martha, Martha, Martha. You know, you're worried about a lot of things. But Mary has chosen the one thing. And that will never be taken from her. So we, we may find ourselves in this season caught in this Mary-Martha dilemma of making preparation for Christ's coming to receive and celebrate, but why am I so stressed? You know? 
And we find ourselves, what I, what I confess as the posture now calls for repentance, what I confess is allowing my life to be so filled with all the secondary things, forgetting the primary, the first. And I, I, I look at it in this way. The Spirit gave me this, you know, nudge this week, how I've allowed the noise of secondary things to drown out the voice of God, the fullness of God, God's love, the noise of secondary things. And for me, that's become a crisis for myself. And as I've been able to minister in different settings over the years, the same thing comes up. And whether it's this season or just life in general, we've made a great big deal of secondary things. And sisters and brothers, we're in a crisis. I need your prayer, and I invite you to pray with me as we look at what it means, what it really means to make room for the fullness of God. Oh, gracious God, we adore you. We love you so much. And we are in awe of you and your ways that are so unlike us. You're a beautiful God. And as your son, I come to you now in the presence, acknowledging your presence, and also this gathering with my sisters and brothers Mighty Spirit of God, I invite you to ignite my heart and my mind and take your word and make it real and life-giving for those that would have ears to hear. And may the words of my mouth, meditations of my heart be acceptable, pleasing in your sight. You are my strength and redeemer. We praise you in advance for what you'll speak to us. And it's in your name, Jesus, we're praying and in the power of the Spirit. Amen. This crisis, um, I took a little brainstorm time and chatted with my wife about this. Like, what, what are the, what's the noise, the secondary things and noise? So I made a list um, of those to kind of give us an idea. Um, society overflows us with headlines. There are advertisements that scream for our attention. Polarizing political chatter just agitates us. The shouting of protesters overwhelm us. Expectations from people weigh heavy on us. The constant chimes from our devices rule us. Pressure to post on social media drives us. Our own restless and wandering thoughts drain us. Ever get caught up in your own head? You ever been there before? You ever get tired? I used to get so caught up in my head that I would, this is in the morning as I'm preparing to go to work when I was serving with the national office. I would play through my entire day. 
in my head before I even left the house. And I was drained. The enemy and his lies of shame from our past haunt us. And that doggone stupid alarm clock. All the noise of secondary things. Now, mind you, some of the things on this list are, are important things, like people that we care for, but their expectations of us become heavy. And yes, I mean, social media can be a useful tool. It's through that tool that I found out I had a brother. <laughs> yeah. Helpful, no doubt. But sometimes the level of noise that it creates in our hearts and our minds just fill us up with a whole lot of clutter. And two things have resulted, I would say, out of this as a crisis. We've allowed the noise of secondary things to drown out the voice of God. And we've allowed these secondary things to fill us in such a way that we have no room for God's fullness. You're too busy reacting to everything on social media. I'm time for quiet time. I got, I'm too busy. I'm too busy to spend time with God. Busy doing good things, but I also found myself in, as a minister that people will use God to run from God. Yeah, because, oh, my goodness, if we were to slow down, if we were to really slow down and allow God room to speak, I presented this to my mom years ago when I had hit the wall personally and our marriage hit the wall Thick brick wall. It was a big wall. And we began to slowly rebuild with the help of God's grace and some awesome mentors and patient friends. And I was sharing this with my mom on one occasion. And she listened with that, mm-hmm, mm. Because mm. I was sharing some real new things that I was trying out. Mm-hmm, okay. This act of slowing down and doing Sabbath. The idea of just changing some traditions that we had really, mm-hmm, okay, baby. Well, this is my mom. She's like, if I were to slow down and do what you're saying, I would go crazy. All the stuff I got in my mouth, honey, baby, please. And I don't know about you, but I even grew up in a home where this idea of slowing down was unheard of. Religious home, a little bit legalistic. So the idea of, you know, idle hands, the devil's workshop. <laughs> so you can't slow down. You got to keep on moving. Mama got to keep moving. And baby's got to catch up. Not realizing what that was creating inside of me. This need to prove and look busy so I don't look lazy. All the secondary noise. But what it's created for myself and for many is, again, this crisis 
that we're too full to receive God's love. You know, Jesus called that same crisis out to the people. Um, the text we'll look at this morning is a sweet and simple text, really familiar maybe to some, maybe not for others, so I'd love to introduce this to you. Turn in your Bibles with me to the book of Matthew, and we're in chapter 11. I'll be looking at verses 28 and 30, through 30. And Jesus' words are just straight to the point. He says in verse 28, and if you have, if you need a Bible, maybe some of you may not need a Bible, just raise your hand if you need a Bible. We can pass those out to you. And in that Bible they're passing out, at least the one Martin has, the white top Bible, um, we're at page 563 in that Bible. Hear the words of Jesus in verse 28. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. There's a people in crisis here, people in crisis, and they were the ones simply uh, that were labor, all who labor and are heavy laden. Can you identify with, with that thought of being, I like how it says in the uh, CSB, uh, it says all who are weary and burdened. Maybe the heavy laden is not a word we use often. You know, that's kind of a little beyond us. But how about weary and burdened? All who? An invitation for those who find themselves in that crisis of being overwhelmed maybe and tired a little bit. You know, at the list I put, it can go on and on. I mean, you can probably add your own little bit or two to that list, maybe, of things that are just, they've become major for you. I was thinking over this uh, preparation time about those who may find themselves in a season where they're caring for their parents, where the tables have just shifted now. And you find yourself caring for someone who was always so strong, and now they're in need for your care and attention. And at the same time, you're trying to mother, father, parent your own kids. And it's a, it could be right now a heavy season for you as you go into this season, but just life right now in general. And you find yourself heavy, laden, burdened, and maybe a little weary. Jesus offers help in that way, because this 
burdensomeness has created a need in us. And this need is for, I believe, God's fullness of love and rest. Rest for your soul. So I would say, uh, what he says in verse 28, he says, come to me, come to me, and I will give you rest. Come to me, and I will give you. So our focus in this Advent season, making room for the fullness of God, the verse that we've uh, latched onto is in Ephesians. It's a prayer from the Apostle Paul. And he begins the prayer by saying how I bow on my knees before the Father. And as I looked up some stuff about that verse, interesting. Bowing on the knee in prayer was not the typical posture for Jewish people. They would typically pray as they stood. So Paul's posture of taking the knee communicates this deep affection and love for those he's praying for, which would be us. And he makes actually three requests in this prayer. One of those requests is that we might, we might know this love of Christ, comprehend this love of Christ. And it makes so, so much sense now that Jesus is saying here, come to me, I will give you rest. It's only going to be found in me that you're going to find the true rest that your soul needs that you may think being busy keeps you okay, but it only is just delaying the inevitable of you, maybe collapsing from all the exhaustion. So come to me. I'll give you rest. To set us up, though, for that invitation, Paul also makes the request that the father who he's addressing his prayer to would strengthen us with power from the Holy Spirit in our inner being. Because here's what I found. My pursuit of Jesus is exhausting because I'm trying to do it in my own flesh based on some good examples. I've had some great mentors in my life. And I'm looking at them like, man, how'd you do it? You know, you've had kids and they, they're gone and you still look smooth. How'd you do it? And so I set my eyes on that person and, you know, Paul said, you know, follow me as I follow Christ. I'm following, you know, it's exhausting. But I don't want us to miss the apostles' first plea and request before you get caught up in another image of chasing Jesus, you're going to need some strength in your inner being. Strength beyond yourself, because this love of God, as he describes, is so huge. Just as big is the gap that we find ourselves in. My need to come to Christ for rest I'm encouraged because there is a solution and a promise from Jesus. 
He says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest to your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Take my yoke. I don't have much time, so let me go quickly to this. A yoke. I got an image of this thing. See, ever seen one of those? Have you ever seen one of the, a yoke before? Okay. Okay, I grew up in the projects, so we didn't have many yokes around. Um, so I'm not speaking from, like, personal experience. Like, I went out with my dad and had to put it on the oxen and, come on, son, hurry. Okay, okay, okay. I didn't have that. Didn't have that. It's only what I've seen in books and what I've studied. And it's pretty, pretty amazing, these tools and how two oxen are hitched together with this thing. And they can do massive work when they're equally yoked. It's important. And Jesus is using this idea of a yoke to express the burdens that we oftentimes carry, how we have found ourselves yoked with some some heavy burdens that we are carrying. And maybe it's an uneven kind of a deal. You find yourself carrying so much But it says he wants to exchange the yoke that we're carrying for his yoke. He wants to get in the yoke with you. He wants the communion with you. And I'll just pop a couple of bubbles here. Um, This invitation from Jesus to be yoked with you, um, Jesus isn't here physically like he was. And when he could say to the disciples, come on, guys, let's do this, let's move. And they, they, we got that. So his word to them that I'm leaving, I have to go away, but I won't leave you as orphans. I'm going to send another to be with you and in you. And so what we have now is the gift of the spirit of Christ that we can be in communion with, to move through and plow through life, actually. Many of us, myself included, have carried some unnecessary yokes that have been placed on us by people, yokes of expectation. And they're heavy, but they weren't meant for you. Jesus wants you to exchange those yokes for his, because as he says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, this for me has created a a gap in my head of, I hear the invitation from Christ to come, but I have a reality where I stand and my heaviness and this gap that's just huge gap. How do, I, how do I cross this? Well, as Paul prayed, we need the power of the Spirit to help us to even understand and to grasp the love of God. Without that help, it's impossible. It's too big. Thankfully, God has also supplied some spiritual tools, disciplines, if you will, to help bridge this gap. We started talking about one last week, and that was this 
the spiritual discipline of stillness. Stillness. Our focus today is on silence. They go hand in hand, and they're a powerful combination. Stillness and silence. I want to show you a short video that shares some testimonies of the power of stillness and silence. Silence is it's a muscle you have to develop. It's, it's a fundamental block that we somehow miss because of the busyness and the noise of this world that we live in. My family growing up was not silence, it was violence. And you, you, you wanted to escape the house. I gotta get out of here, this is crazy. Between the downward spiral of things happening in my life, my silence was driven by depression. Sitting silent for 30 seconds was extremely difficult. I could not stop my mind from wandering from one to-do list to the next. Silence is a challenge, and it still is a challenge. You know, I, I may have had a, a challenging day, and so my thoughts are wavering all over the place. I am too distracted. With Christ was just, it was really kind of like faith by works, you know, just serving. I never confessed the things that I confessed to God during my silence. I never made that connection. I could hear God in the silence. And that wasn't just in my relationship with God. It, it, it's something that now it affected all my relationships. I think the real strength of rest and Sabbath and, and silence is that you learn to accept your limitations as a person. In the moments that you are silent, that you are not working, God is still capable to accomplish his goals. God was more concerned with me, with not with what I was doing for him, but whether or not I was with him. With silence and solitude, it was more of a relationship. It was less about me and more about God and, and, and Christ and his voice and what he's saying to me at that moment. I found when I got along with God and just was with him, that slowed me down enough to where I could recognize these uh, actions in my life where I can control them now. Now I have a silence that drives me back to who he is and how I can be uplifted, you know, in a way. And that is the greatest feeling. I can't imagine a life without pausing and centering myself. The daily office gives you a system by which you could really reflect, meditate, pray, and start building that relationship with the Lord. I want us to practice this. It's one thing for me to share from my journey of falling on my face and hidden walls. and It's one thing for you to hear some testimonies, but it's another thing for you to experience it yourself. And so we would love for this to be a practice, a rhythm in your life, work and rest. 
Do you know that the command to take Sabbath, the fourth commandment, is the longest of them all? God cares that much about his children to offer this gift of rest. It was created for us. So we can, in having a 24-hour time of stopping and resting and communing with God and delighting, we can have many Sabbaths throughout the day. So as you think about that for your own personal relationship, again, I want us to practice uh, this morning. Now, we've provided another Advent card for this week. Uh, Martin has done an awesome job with the, the images and things. Um, I pray that you're collecting these for this week and beyond. Yes, we've, we've set it aside for the season, but we believe these messages and these rhythms are for life. So in the stillness is where we find ourselves. We can be silent because God is always speaking. Here's what I want you to do. We're going to take one minute, all right? One minute of stillness and silence. You'll hear a chime, and that's when you'll know that we're done. Okay? So however you want to posture yourself, the time begins now. With your Advent card, could you jot down just for yourself, how did that feel? What was that experience like, experience like those, that's just those 60 seconds of silence? How did that feel? Just when you reflect on that for, for a second. Okay, 
anyone want to share? What was that one minute of silence and stillness like for you? Peace? Yeah. Anyone uncomfortable? It was difficult. Be honest, it's okay. There's no right answer. Just so for, so for everyone that was pretty cool. That was good. This is an awesome group, Pastor Andrew. We are moving somewhere. Well, I'm not going to lie. When I first began doing this, this was not fun, very uncomfortable, especially in a group. So if you, if you did well in a group like this, the size, that's really good. And if it went so well, then my question is, do you do this in your time with the Lord? Is this a practice for you that you have found enriching that's allowed your heart to slow down and your mind to be still so that you can hear God's voice, the promptings of the Spirit, the voice of God saying that you are loved? Stop striving. No need to strive. Because that's what this allows us to do, to really be centered. So for those in the group that this was difficult, I'm speaking to you now because maybe one or two of you that I'm talking to, um, let me give you a little tip on how to get past some of the noise. What I first began this one of my mentors encouraged me to have a word or a phrase that I could repeat in my heart and in my mind to help me get some guardrails to hold me in the moment. And so uh, I began years ago with just, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy. It had to be something simple that I could remember. First of all, um, no long, you know, just something that I could repeat. Or a phrase, I am beloved of God. I am beloved of God. Now I have a, my memory's better, but getting worse again. So I have to have something like, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I'll inhale, the Lord is my shepherd, exhale, I shall not want. And within seconds, I'm centered. I have an anchor to hold me. You see, these disciplines aren't just stillness and silence for the sake of it. Because again, lots of religions and practices encourage this. As believers, though, this is our opportunity to be anchored in God to flood out the secondary thing so that what is primary, this love of God, fills me. And these disciplines just anchor us. They're tools that the Spirit uses to anchor us. I want to close in a word of prayer now and trust that what God has spoken to your hearts, you'll have 
room to receive. So gracious God, we are thankful for your long-suffering love and patience. Thank you for the joy, the sweet, amazing, inexpressible joy of knowing you personally. Lord God, there may be one, two, who you know, those here today that do not know you, that have not placed their trust in you, Jesus. I pray by your spirit that you're moving, drawing them closer, and may today be the day they surrender their will, their yoke of life in exchange for yours. Have your way. We pray this in your name, Jesus, and with great expectation in the power of the Spirit. Amen.